Fox Sports is the home of Australian rugby, and this is the official Fox Rugby Podcast with your host, Nick McArdle. Yes, thanks for joining us once again for the Fox Rugby Podcast, brought to you by Land Rover as we edge closer to Rugby World Cup 2019. There's a bit going on too with squads being announced left, right and centre. We'll talk about some of those in just a moment. But uh, welcoming this week, Sam Worthington from foxsports.com.au. Welcome to you, Sammy. Thank you, Nick. Good to be here. Special guest for the seventh week in a a row, Andrew Swain from Fox Rugby. Welcome to you. Thank you, mate. They're actually going to ask, they were asking me if I wanted to host it, but um, I I said, look, Nick does a really good job, so I should keep, keep going. Yeah, excellent. Never say never. You're only one one mistake away, mate. That's right. right. Yes. (laughs) And uh, Stephen Hoyle's fresh off the training paddock with the Australian Sevens. A bit of uh, wet weather training today, Stephen. Yep, we are. The gods were kind to us. We need to train a little bit more in the wet, I think. That's for Australian rugby teams in general, but Mm. nice to train in the wet. We've got a big Olympic qualifier, Nick, in Fiji after the World Cup. Uh, every chance that we'll get some sort of afternoon storm over there. So nice to train in wet conditions. How do you go? Um, did your hair curl in, in the wet? I just put a beanie on and then right. put the hood over that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Should yeah. be right there. <laughs> I was, here I was thinking you were going to ask a nice intelligent question about no, there's no chance. how they go in the wet or whatever, no. but no. no? Hair, you have well, to bring hair they, into it. How did they go in the wet? Great uh, question. Uh, Great. Right. I don't know. I was worried about my hair most of the time. So <laughs> I didn't look at them. No, so they, was I, Stephen. They did well. They did well. Excellent. Um, Jordan Patea. Uh, he's been a name on uh, all of our lips over the last week or so, obviously being the youngest player uh, to be picked in that Wallaby squad and, and potentially debuting at the World Cup for the Wallabies. But he's flown home uh, with that injury from their training camp in, uh, in New Caledonia. Yeah, terrible news, isn't it? Because people are just so excited to see him actually out there playing footy. Um, he, he's had a bad run um, so close to making his test debut against Italy last year and it was the hammy um, again that kept him out of that. I'm not sure if that's going to be a recurring issue for him. But yeah, and then the, the Liz Frankfurt injury that kept him out of Super Rugby. So they're saying uh, he's going to be fine for the World Cup, but it really does set a guy like him back because he hasn't made his test debut yet. He's had very little rugby, so he really needs to, to show that he can cut it if he's going to play a significant role at the World Cup. Yeah, it's a good point, Were they? Like, we wanted to see him play test match before he went on that World Cup. But, you know, he's, hopefully he'll be okay. We're hearing all the signs that he will be okay. It, it'll be tough for him now because the first two tests, obviously Fiji and Wales, them in the World Cup, they're most likely what we fear to be our hardest two tests. So you probably assume that he won't be in the 23 for that. Um, and then he might get a go later on. But I'm still, a, you know, I still think it's the right decision to take him. It's just a shame that this happened. And young guys, you know, they probably do tend to have a little bit more risk in them when it comes to soft tissue injury. They're still trying to work out you know, what their bodies can tolerate as opposed to the mature athlete who, who has a pretty good understanding. So he strikes me as a kid who would have just, you know, turned up, shut up and, and worked really, really hard mm. and probably pushed through a little bit of fatigue. And some guys don't really know the difference between fatigue and tightness and things like that. So um, having said that, you probably always assume that, you know, seven or eight days over in Namia, we were going to pick up another injury and we're probably going to get another in the Samoa game. So... Chances are it's the first of a few before we get over to the World Cup. Steve, what does that do to a young bloke's confidence who's just come off a really long-term injury? Uh, he's basically told, yep, you're going to play against Samoa, and now he has to battle his way back again. You know, for a, a young 19-year-old, how, what, how, do, how do you battle that mentally? Well, he's had the same issue happen to him on last year's spring tour. He was named in, in a test side, I think it was against Italy. He got injured the Friday before, so he's been through it before. I think, it, if anything, it... It builds resilience. Um, as frustrating as it is, there's always positives out of out of any injury, and it's it's about searching for them and 
and and sometimes you've got to look a little bit harder. So there, there will be a huge amount of frustration on him. But you've got to think, positive is he's done it before the World Cup, not at the World Cup. If he did this in three weeks' time, he gets sent home and he doesn't participate in the World Cup. So, um, yeah, I think he'll, he'll be okay. He's you know, surrounded with good medical staff. He should be fine. It looks a bit like the camps that you put your little kids through over there in New Caledonia. It's pretty tough, mate. So Jack Dempsey yesterday spoke about getting up at 5.30am and, and going all, all day, basically, um, in, in the heat and humidity. So um, th- there are people out there questioning you know, these, these pictures of guys with weights charging up steps. But, I mean, Checker did something similar in 2015, didn't he, and then got the, got the results by, by flogging them? Yeah, look, I've got four kids, so getting up at 5.30 <laughs> in the morning is pretty normal for it, most it's people. It's a late so Poor old Jack Dempsey. Is, look, they knew they were going to do it hard over there in Namibia, and that's how Czech likes it. And yeah, there's all these people saying that, you know, they shouldn't be carrying heavy weight upstairs. Like, I would prefer a rugby-style camp. You can see them at a footy field. You can tell they're mixing between hard work and footy at the same time. It's much better than going off to in into the bush and carrying logs and getting sleep-deprived and not getting enough nutrients and stuff into you. I think a footy camp is, you know, make it as hard as you want, but make sure you don't skip over the the footy detail, and they're not doing that, so that's good. What did you make of the squad? Um, I don't think we've spoken to you since then. Adam Ashley Cooper uh, heading to his fourth World Cup. Tom Banks missed out. Pete Samu, who, of course, didn't figure uh, during the rugby championship, but certainly had a terrific back end before that uh, hamstring injury back into the season for the, for the Brumbies. What did you make of all of that? Yeah, I feel for Tom Banks. I, I certainly feel that he was one of the form players in the Super Rugby, but then I look at it and go, well, if he's not going to be in the 23... And he's a fringe, you know, he's a double D as such. Because there are guys that, that might only play one game in the World Cup if they're lucky. And the double Ds probably have a more important role in a World Cup campaign, campaign than they do in any other tournament. So um, if you're not going to carry a guy that you're not going to play often, then you probably want to have an experienced backup. And most So Adam Ashley Cooper, I was confident the whole way through Super Rugby that, that Adam would, would go on this Rugby World Cup too. I know a lot of people sort of thought it was just, you know, trying to give a, a good old mate of mine a bit of a rap but I think the value he brings to a side it's hard to measure until you're in that side we saw him play against Italy last year he played really well on that spring tour um so I'm happy for AAC feel for Tom Banks I think Pete Samu's been hard done by um he's a very quiet guy Pete Samu off the field like extremely quiet and I don't know if he's the type of guy that would ever sort of push his case over a you know, he would have been disappointed missing out on one squad and then a second. But most guys in that time would probably pick up the phone and say what I need to do. But Pete's really, really quiet and, and maybe to his detriment there. Like, I think it can come across as potentially some guy, oh, he doesn't seem that interested because he hasn't, you know, questioned me or disagreed or, or called the selectors. I don't know. I, I feel that his form in Super Rugby was was better than Liam Wright. It was better than Luke Jones. It was, you know, it was better than... Several guys, Jack Dempsey, like I'm a fan of Jack Dempsey, but Samu was one of the form back rowers. Even Nasirani, no one had a better running game than Samu late in Super Rugby season. Well, given given that and that he did have form and you compare it with Jack Dempsey who had basically no form, um, how much of a gamble is the Jack Dempsey selection? I think one of Michael Checker's strengths is his loyalty to his players and he's loyal to Jack Dempsey because Jack's done a job for him before and he might not have been able to do that job six times for him in a Wallaby jersey because he's had a lot of injuries since his best game in Wallaby jersey was at Brisbane Suncorp against yep. the All Blacks a couple of years ago. Yep. And he was outstanding that game. And so Michael Checker obviously knows that what a guy can do. He, he backs himself to get a player right in the mine and Jack's had to overcome a few physical injuries. And if he does, then he's every chance of being able to reproduce that form. So I think that's one of the strengths in Michael Checker. He does show loyalty to players who've delivered for him before. Yeah, it was a strange one, the the no Samu there. And, and there's, I think, two areas that he's 
taken, or the selectors have taken a big risk. It's important for people to realise that it is a genuine selection panel now, not, not just cheap picking the team. Um, but the the two halfbacks is clearly uh, an educated risk, and the just five back rowers, but two of them being Dempsey and Pocock, like that puts a huge workload on, on the likes of Michael Hooper throughout the tournament. And there's been a lot of discussion about whether these squads are actually too small for this day and age. Um, 31 uh, men, the, the All Blacks pretty strong on it yesterday. I mean, why should you have to be cutting corners? And it, and it hurts specialists like Tom Banks, who can probably only play fullback. Those guys don't get in, um, and I guess the likes of Ashley Cooper that can cover multiple positions do. So what do you think, boys? Is, is it time to add a couple of extras to the squad? Because it seems, it seems crazy that a World Cup could come down to whether you pick two or three halfbacks and something crazy happens on the eve of a big game. Well, given, uh, given the concussion uh, yeah. issues where players can be ruled out for a week, um, you look at uh, what... New Zealand have done with their fly halves. They've only taken Barrett and Moanga. And they were saying yesterday that uh, TJ Perinara, Ryan Crotty and uh, Geordie, Geordie Barrett. Barrett were the Stephen, three. Stephen Donald snubbed. That's right, yes. Um, with, the, with the three who, uh, you know, could step into the breach if, if need be, if if one of those two key players was to be ruled out for, you know, one or two games. Oh, look, I, I, on the flip side to that, I agree with all your points. I, I like the fact that it's 31 men. It, it All the best players are still going to be there, let's face it. And if someone's injured and they're ruled out independently, they go home, they can be replaced. So those players will still get an opportunity who might be on the fringes. But it also really, um, it, you have to be smart about it. You have to really think out uh, and be clever as to how you put those squads together. And, uh, and, and you have to take risks. And I like that in this day and age um, at a Rugby World Cup, the, the showpiece event, that you still have to take risks to, to, make it, uh, to make it your squad the best team in the world. Yeah, and Eddie Jones uh, spoke about the way that he goes about it. He picks the, the match day 23, what he sees is the best, and then he actually, the next job is to pick the, the last three guys in the squad that are kind of there just culturally to, to make up the numbers and probably won't get a lot of game time. So you're right, the selection and strategy over seven weeks, um, you know, they, they're going to play huge games. Um, Wales and Fiji, obviously, for the Wallabies are the huge games, and the other the other games you can probably realistically throw whoever out there. So, yeah, a, a huge amount of um, strategy goes into it. So September September 20, it starts uh, with the opening ceremony and then Japan and Russia and then Australia in action the day after against Fiji. That's a huge uh, triple header on Fox Sports. It's uh, Fiji and Australia. It's uh, Argentina and France and New Zealand and South Africa all on the same day. And Land Rover want you to have the ultimate Rugby World Cup experience in 2019. Uh, in the comfort of your own home, you can win yourself a big screen TV, KO subscription and more to help with the tournament. All you have to do is go to landrover.com.au forward slash wallabies for details on how to enter. So we're talking about... Uh, World Cup squads being announced and the All Black squad announced. Owen Franks was uh, was the big name missing there. Did that surprise you, Halsey? Yeah, it did. Um, Alala came in for that Eden Park test and that was, you know, he was the real deal when he came on. That was a big difference between the Optus Stadium, Bledisloe in Perth and the, the Eden Park. So I, I probably probably assumed there was going to be some changes. But if you had a set at the start of the year that Lalala and... Angus Tarvau would have been yeah. in the World Cup squad and, and Franks misses out um, on form, I'd be really shocked. But it just goes to show that, the, you know, they did, they did sort of fire a few warning shots over in New Zealand at the start of the year. Steve Hansen had mentioned that he wasn't necessarily all that satisfied with his front rowers and not just their scrummaging but their work around the park. So That uh, seems to have been what's 
what it's come down to is that mobility and, and speed around the park, which is a fair reflection of how they want to play the game, isn't it? Yeah, and no, Franks has always been known as you know a pretty fearful man in world rugby. He hits really hard. He can still carry the ball. He's not a he's not an out and out you know loose forward in the Greg Somerville mould, but like as a loose prop. But Somerville could still hold up a scrum and do that really well. But yeah, I think it it was always a, an area that they were a bit concerned about at the start of the year. So maybe there was a few warning signs there, but. He can feel hard done by because he's been a good servant in that all-black jersey. Yeah, they've laid their cards well and truly on the table, how they're going to play the game. We're, we're trying to beat power with speed and skill, and then you've got the likes of England and Springboks who will go the other way. Um, the all-blacks also naming three number sevens in their squad, which is, um, you know, you might view it as a bit of a luxury, but they're clearly going to load up and, and really um, try and pay at pace, which um, I, I think is going to give the Wallabies their best chance as well. Um, Tim Horan before the... Um, tournament. We spoke about the wet weather there before in Australia, Australia not playing well. Well, I think the conditions in Japan will, will suit the Wallabies um, really nicely. Yeah, no Liam Squire as well. He left his call a little bit too late. And number six has been an area for the All Blacks that there's been a lot of question marks over. Liam Squire, probably one of the form players before his injury. Uh, over the last couple of years for the All Blacks, so that's a that's a big omission as well. Yeah, what do you think, Halsey? Like they're they're going to go in without Squire and Retallick's going to miss all the pool games as well. Like it's all well and good trying to play a, a skill game, but they're going to go up against the Springboks game one. Like realistically, are they you know going to be a, 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 that four pack will have a bit less fo- uh, fair factor than it normally does? Yeah, it, it won't be as big and intimidating as the sides we've seen before, but I think they're, they're still probably have the ability to outskill every side. You know, you're still going to have a back row of probably Kane, Sevilla and Kieran Reid. So if they get that right, that's a pretty potent back row. You know, you've got like you got the running factor, you've got the aerial skill with Kieran Reid and the, the edge um, playing of Kieran Reid's ability. Then you've got the crazy line break and tackle bust like Sevilla <laughs> and you've got the on-ball work of Kane. So it's a pretty well-balanced back row still. But, yeah, I think they've done the right thing in putting Retallick in because he, you know, like he's truly a world-class lock, I think. He's probably on his day the best lock in the world by a mile and, and they've got to have him in that squad. Even if it's a risk and you don't have him for the first few weeks, you've got to take someone like that because they'll need him in the back end. But the Springboks will be confident. They had a good good draw against them a few weeks ago. So yeah. Um, yeah, they, they'll be sort of looking to take him on up front, absolutely. Luke Jacobson was the, the bolter in that squad. He came off the bench against Argentina. I think it's his only test cap. And so you've got... Uh, Hemapo missed out for Fita, Frizzell. You know, there's some, some big names staying at home for the All Blacks. Yeah, and Nodani Lamarpe as well. That's, right. That's massive, eh, Lamarpe? Yeah. Oh, like, he, he for me, is just a guy who's got X Factor, who can destroy who, anyone. Who do, you, who do you leave out, though? Well, that's a hard one. You can't leave Crotty out because he's so classy and composed, even though he's had a bit of injury history. But And you it's can't a, leave Sonny Bill out because... It's, again, that versatility and a squad factor because Lamarpe's only a 12 yep. and, and Crotty, Leonard Brown, they can, mm. can cover. So, yeah, desperately unlucky, um, yeah, Lamarpe for sure. And the off-field factor that Sonny Bill brings, you know, that calming influence and the father figure that, you know, Kev Malamu, Milamu played that role. Who was your father figure in the Wallabies, man? Uh, oh, early on, it was probably uh, Chris Whittaker was probably one of those guys. Like he was, you know, a pretty quiet version of a father figure, but he was very humble and grounded. And uh, later on, Greg certainly became that sort of guy because he wasn't captain by the time his Wallaby career finished up, mm. which probably allowed him just to go and be spend a bit more time with the younger guys. So it's the father figure that still looks younger than most of them. That's the right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and South Africa have named their team as well um, and well, their, their squad. Ebenezer Beth did get the nod despite being involved in a bizarre uh, accusation that he pointed a gun at a homeless man in, in Cape Town. He denies that, that it ever happened. That, that was just 
completely weird. There's been some weird incidents over the past little bit in South Africa involving rugby players. I mean, they remember the, the Crusaders players as well. Yeah, weird started. incidents. Like it's just it is a it is a place where touring teams or well, the home teams in this uh, case can can come unstuck. What you got to remember over there is it's still kind of like it is the main sport over there. So it's a bit like it's big tabloid stuff when those yeah, sort right. of things happen. So you have to be on your game over there because people yeah. are actually. Out to get you to get a, a, a story in the news, and yeah. what I found really dis- disappointing about the Springboks announcement was how they titled <laughs> it on their socials. Did you see that? Oh, that was ridiculous, impossible to read. But honestly, uh, was I, it in one of their forty languages? <laughs> but, I couldn't read it. No, well, apparently, down apparently, it was inspired by the Japanese language. That was the idea. They've gone uh, for it to look like yeah. That some, oh, was it? Some, some, some bright spark be... on Twitter pointed that out. But it's regardless of those good intentions, it's gone horribly wrong, hasn't yeah. it? It's, uh, I thought it was meant to be the Matrix. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. what I was looking at it as. Uh, there you go. Just a quick one on South Africa. Yep. So they're picking from anywhere in the world, right? They, they've 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 gone open slather. A lot of discussion about, you know, restructuring and revisiting the Giddo law. What's your take on that, Halsey? Well, I think they're showing no respect to the Super Rugby competition in South Africa. So they've got none of their best players are playing Super Rugby. As a result, you turn on the TV at midnight to watch a Super Rugby game played over there and no one's watching. We think crowds are down here. No one's watching in South Africa. So that's that's a big concern for me. I like the fact that we... Um, put a price on or, a, you know, a number of tests and a certain amount of years of service to Australian rugby. I'm also of the opinion that maybe in a World Cup year you can be a bit flexible around that um, and give guys the opportunity to back themselves. So if you think that, you know, like, you know what, I'm good enough to go and play in Europe and get picked for Wallabies, well, you take the risk because you're not getting seen every week by the Wallabies selector. But in a World Cup year, I'd like to see some flexibility around it. Mm. But outside of World Cup years, I'm, I'm not a fan because the second we do say that you can be playing anywhere... Super Rugby gets just, just shot again and yeah. it, it just goes. The money overseas is too strong. Well, and, and, the, 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 and the, the other factor in the South African situation is that the players are probably going to go anyway, right? Yeah. Because of the value of the RAND. Mm, they, exactly, they just yeah. can't compete. There is no way they can compete. So so you've got quality players heading offshore anyway. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah, it's it, tough. But I, I don't like seeing it, – it's actually hard as a fan – to look at the Springbok side and go, I know how they're going to play because I don't. You don't see a lot of them mm, until mm. Test season anymore. Mm. Yeah, these off-field issues aside, though, it's an incredibly strong Springbok squad, and Rusty Erasmus has got got some great depth with those overseas-based players as well. That they're, they're leaving out some big names. Did Warren Whiteley miss out? He's injured, injured, I think. Okay. Yeah, he would have been there, but they've yeah got some got some huge names that aren't even going to be there. So that and the, this will play a part as well because injuries will hit, and there'll be guys coming from outside the the thirty-one man squad for for all countries. And if you've got good guys, um, and then they're training away in the background, then that could be, you know, the, the thing that tips you over the edge and gets you a World Cup. Indeed. And uh, during the World Cup, Halsey, I understand this, yes. you'll be uh, front and centre with uh, the World Cup edition of the Fox Rugby podcast. Yeah, we tried to um, – but essentially this is a passive takeover, Nick. We weren't yeah. happy with how things were being run. <laughs> yeah. uh, we felt it was very much print journalists just, mm. just you know, basically getting talent in here. Print journalist, Nick. Um, yep. Oh, that's there you go. Right. No, no, you're not a print journalist. <laughs> you're not even – you are a journalist. Actually, <laughs> What I, we I mean, felt. I, I, Thanks, Stephen. Great podcast. I like Thanks, to. Uh, I like to think of myself like that, but you know, that's probably not for me to say. We just wanted to change things up a little bit, and we thought that Doran and Worthington have had a fair run at it. And right. to be honest, um, we're in the ratings industry, and they've <laughs> let themselves down. So um, <laughs> we get an opportunity to lift those ratings, and we'll do when, that. And when you say we, who's who's we? I, I think Jim Mitchell's involved. Is he? Yeah. Really? Yeah. 
Is it true, though, Stephen, you're talking a big game, though, is it true that the powers that be have appointed Drew as captain of the podcast and you're just making out the numbers? Like any good team, you sit behind the captain, you direct them, and they take the heat. So when <laughs> yeah. it, when You're the, the father hits, figure now. When the shit hits the fan, it's Drew's fault. And when it goes really well, it was the team beneath him that helped him. You're having a massive bobby yeah. twice. I've got a bit of a, uh, a streak to uphold here, so hopefully I get invited back as well. Well, yeah, you're a yeah. guest host for seven weeks straight, oh, aren't you? Oh, beautiful. There you go. Oh. <laughs> you're the Ned Flanders of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> you've, also, you've also played rugby other than Christy Doran. <laughs> Excellent. So there's just the two of you. We'll get you back in at some stage. No, I'm not um, sure I'm we'll available. Doran, maybe, without the green pants. <laughs> yeah. where, where is Christy? Yeah, so he's having some pre-drinks for Fleetwood Mac uh, tonight. Is he? I'm glad you asked where he was. So um, he's, he's got his champagne flute out. and um, He's going his own way. A shirt on. I don't know if he... Oh, I don't know I if see what you've done. <laughs> yes. I don't know if he realised who Fleetwood Mac were until about a night or two ago when um, yeah. there was possibly a female involved who mentioned she was a big fan. So good on you, Christy. <laughs> you, you, you're doing good work. Right. Excellent. So he's an 18-year-old trapped in a 45-year-old's body. Uh, let's, yeah, let's leave it there. All it's right. a very confusing situation. Well, let's leave it there. That's a very good suggestion. <laughs> let's leave it right there. Just Whoa. a nice little quick hit. Uh, looking forward to that Rugby World Cup podcast. We all are, Nick. We all are. <laughs> <Whoa>. God knows <laughs> what it's going to sound like. Um, thank you, Stephen and Andrew and Sam. Thank you. Phil, gun producer. Greg Martin, I think I heard there in the background as yeah. well with the well. Yeah. Oh, there you go. All right. Thanks, Marta. We'll see you next week on the Fox Rugby Podcast.